came in this world by myself So I don't need no friends I'd rather have it this way It's okay, it's okay You motherfuckers gon' respect me Cause I can take you off here today I'd rather have it that way It's okay, it's okay Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour And thank you so much to everyone for listening on our last podcast, we reached a new milestone for listeners. So everyone, give yourselves a nice round of applause. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I have so much to be thankful for on this upcoming Thanksgiving. Now we have big things planned, so please tell your friends and spread the word about the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media. The Chris Williams Podcast can be found on IG and Twitter at the Chris Will Pod. And on Facebook, the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. Today's podcast is extremely compelling. Christy Martin is on the podcast. During the Mike Tyson era of boxing, Christy was one of the most recognizable names in boxing. She appeared on the undercard of all Mike Tyson's fights. Known as the coal miner's daughter, she was the first female boxing sensation and anytime you had a Don King promoted card and a Mike Tyson fight, you had to have the coal miner's daughter, Christy Martin. Even if you weren't into boxing, she was highly recognizable. She was the most famous female athlete during her time. Her bloodied face was a symbol of female strength, grit, and determination. And her knockout punches were a sign of women's power. My mother, who shared my passion for boxing, never missed a fight that had the coal miner's daughter. Her enjoyment of Christie's skills gave me a new appreciation for female athletes. As you will soon hear, Christie has many layers to her story. And the one we saw in the public of a strapping female warrior was pale in comparison to the mental and physical battle she faced outside the ring. Christy's story is a reminder we should never judge a book by its cover. How many times have we seen an athlete who seems like they have the world at their fingertips? They have the money, the celebrity, the access to everything that we would want, yet they can't stay out of the TMZ spotlight. Those public battles with addiction, drugs, booze, women, trouble, it's frustrating. There's nothing more frustrating than to see our heroes fall short of our perceived goals. Unless we walk in their shoes, we truly don't know the battles that they fight. When the lights are off, what those battles and struggles might be for them, they could be greater than anything you and I will ever face or know. Those battles also might be the driving force and the true motivation behind our hero's success. Now, enough of my rambling. I truly hope everyone has a wonderful and safe Thanksgiving. This is the Chris Williams Podcast. That song, of course, was Bo Diddley's 1962 smash. You can't judge a book by looking at its cover. Take it away, boys. Well, I 
Mr. Holler. We were poor, but we had love. That's the one thing that Daddy made sure of. He shoveled coal to make a poor man's daughter. Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. And today, I welcome a pioneer of women's boxing. She was known as the coal miner's daughter, the first female fighter to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated, the first female world champion to hold the prestigious green belt of the WBC, the first female boxer inducted into the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame, and she is the three-time North Carolina Promoter of the Year. Please welcome to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, Christy Martin. Christy, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for taking the time to uh, have me on with you and all your fans. Oh, it is an honor. It's a total pleasure. So I'm really excited about having you, and I'm really excited for my listeners to hear your story, which I think is just truly inspirational and motivating. So let's get to this. So the podcast is all about you, and it's all about telling stories. So feel free at any time to drop a story. I know you have a story or two that you can tell us. For sure, I, I will. Um, you know, throughout the craziness of, of my boxing my boxing journey, uh, I, I certainly have encountered um, many many knuckleheads. But I have some good stories. <laughs> I have some bad stories. I have some funny stories. So I, I'm sure as as we go through uh, the next you know a little bit of time, uh, th- those stories will come out. Awesome, awesome. All right, so Christy. You recently had your story, your life story, told on CBS's 48 Hours. Now, it was very moving. So for listeners who did not see it, CBS billed it as a champion boxer who was shot and stabbed by her husband but refused to go down for the count. So talk about the importance of having the opportunity to tell your story to a worldwide audience. You know, it's very important. And I I said from the time that I woke up in the hospital that God left me here for a reason, and that reason was to share my story so I could help other uh, victims, uh, uh, whether it be male or female, to to get out of the situation that they they may be in. And not just the person themselves, for other people around them to be more aware of domestic violence. And, And also what is very important to me is, Domestic violence isn't just about bruises. It's also about emotional and mental um, uh, trauma and control. Um, you know, my, my situation was more emotional and mental torment than, than physical. But once it became physical, it was clearly very physical. Um, so so I want to stop people from getting to that point and just make everyone more aware that um, domestic violence isn't just all about the bruises. Okay, excellent. Now, and, Krista, you have a foundation uh, which obviously supports victims of domestic violence, and like you said, the people that are also, you know, collateral damage to, you know, that violence. So what is the name of your foundation? How can we find out more about it, or how can people support that? Yes, absolutely. It's Christie's Champ. And we have so many different things working through Christie's Champs. Right now, one of our main projects, um, of course, we have a crisis lineup, and uh, that can be reached through uh, the Facebook page, Christie's Champs. It can also be seen on the ChristyMartinPromotions.com website. Uh, but, but one of the things we're doing to try to help 
break the cycle is different boxing gyms all over the country. I mean, we're doing it in Texas. We're doing it in uh, West Virginia, Florida, North Carolina. Uh, we also just newly, I've, I've reached out to a gentleman in, in uh, Columbia, no, excuse me, in Charleston, South Carolina, and, and we take kids that are living in the domestic violence shelters and bring them to a boxing gym one or two days a week and just give them the opportunity to, to feel part of that family. And, and I know people don't understand boxing and they think it's violence and, and, you know, how can boxing really save anybody? Boxing has saved so many lives. And through that boxing gym, like I, I know personally, uh, when I had my gym and I had a, a really great amateur team, it was like a family atmosphere. Everybody supported everybody. Everybody kind of kept everybody else in check too. And, and that's what these kids that, that are in these very um, uh, negative situations, they need to see that love coming from someone that's really not their, their, their uh, immediate family that other people care about them and other people are willing to help them and take the time to, um, to just give them that little one up. Um, and so that's, that's something that's very important. We're, doing, we're working with the Harnett County Sheriff's Office PAL program over in Harnett County, North Carolina. Um, they have a great boxing program going on. Uh, they, I think they have wrestling and maybe track and field. I'm not sure. But in that same gym, we, Christie's Champs, we're adding a computer lab, and with that computer oh, wow. lab, we're going to have tutors. We have mentors in there, and, and, you know, that's like the prototype for what we want to do all over the country. And if that's joining with PAL programs or, or whomever or wherever we can, we're going we're gonna to make this work. That's awesome. That, that is awesome that you're, you're reaching out and trying to help people. And I, I don't think people understand how – much discipline and you know dedication and things that, and hard work that go into boxing, and it's not just about punching people or getting punched, but there's a lot that goes to it mentally that can help some of these you know victims of domestic violence and you know put them back on the right trap track and give them something positive. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. So and Christy, there's so many layers to your story. So what I want to do is is go back a little bit and talk about how you became a celebrity who now has a platform to support such worthy causes. But let's go back to your roots and talk about growing up in West Virginia. What was it like for you there being a star in, uh, athlete, and who inspired you? <laughs> you know, I am truly the coal miner's daughter from a very small town of about 500 people in southern West Virginia, um, the coal mining town. Of course, my, my my dad was the coal miner, and he was the um, you know he would be my hero and my inspiration. That he he taught me just watching him. I under, I started to understand how working hard will will um, keep keep moving you along in life. You know you have to work hard. No one's going to give you anything, and and that's that's the same attitude that I I just took throughout my my life from from even in high school sports. To, the, to academics, then at getting into the boxing world, <laughs> no one gave, you know, these, these guys now, these, these young fighters, you know, I, I look I, I, on Facebook and they're asking for donations and they're asking for help and they're asking for, no one gave me a damn thing. 
No one even bought me a shoestring, much less a pair of shoes to wear to a Wow. So, you know, I'm just like, no, make it, dude. Make it. Make it on your own. Put your hard work into it. And so when you're done at the end of the night and you knocked out somebody or you got that victory by decision, that's what you did. It wasn't because somebody made it easy for you. No, you worked hard. You busted your ass to get that. And that's, that's, I mean, that's lost. That's lost. This generation of people, but fighters especially, because that's what we're talking about here, um, Mm -hmm. they have it so much easier than fighters in the past. And, I mean, of course, me in the 90s, I'm sure I had it easier than the, than the, the guys in the 70s. I can't even talk about the girls because they really weren't there. Um, so, I, I mean, I understand that. But now it's gotten to where uh, hard work is just lost. And, and I, I think there's just that handful of fighters that are actually out there, top-level champions that really understand hard work. Okay. All right. Yeah, a lot of entitled athletes nowadays. Absolutely. So, and that, and unfortunately, that that takes away from every sport. It doesn't matter if it's boxing, football, baseball. It just takes away from it. So you don't see that true grit. These guys grinding it out, just trying to make it. So, all right. So just back to the family. So of course you were known as the coal miner's daughter. Did your mom play a role in helping shape you as you know? becoming an athlete, and what sport was it that you went to college for? Yeah, I, um, I played basketball in college, and my mom, my mom was definitely not the athlete of the family. Yeah, that would be my dad. But my mom was there to she, – she was the great cheerleader, supporter. She always, you know, was the, the mother that you could count on that was going to drive the team members to the next, tur- um, next game or tournament. Um, she was always there in the stands. She was always cheering. Um, but uh, she, she definitely was not the athlete, even though she tried sometimes. She would try to go outside and guard me a little bit playing basketball, but, um, you know, my mom's actually shorter than I am, so it was kind of funny. Um, and, and again, <laughs> right. she, wasn't, she wasn't real athletic. Okay. All right. So, well, you, you did well enough. You wanted, went to college and played basketball, so you're going to get many opportunities to do this, but brag about your college basketball career <laughs> um believe it or not i am not as um braggadocious as people think i am i'm not as arrogant as people think i am um so let me let me just say that um i i was fortunate because i was able to get my college degree because of basketball um i mean my dad was going to pay anyway but it made it a lot easier for my family that I got, I got to go to college uh, on somebody else's dime. And um, it, was, it was a small school in southern West Virginia, Concord College. Uh, but I had a lot of fun. I did okay. Um, you know, ended up being a starter for three years. And, uh, again, it was, it was a good time for me. And I, did, I, I loved basketball. I, I loved playing. And, and um, I, I would often tell people that I thought I was in my range as soon as I walked in the gym. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice, nice. So, are you a WNBA fan? Really not. I, uh, you know, and I don't know why, other than the fact that when when I got married to Jim, he was 
so much against women in sports that I I never watched women's sports um, because he always had so many wisecracks to say and and I just never really became a fan of um, of any female sports other than women's tennis, believe it or not. Um, but that that would probably be about it. Okay, all right. So, and, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit of where. So, but you mentioned he wasn't a fan of women in sports. So how was that relationship with you being a star female athlete, a boxer, and how did he, how did he treat you with that? Um, you know, the thing with, with the whole boxing and my career, it enabled him to, to, you know, we went to a lot of cool places. We did a lot of really good things, uh, fun things. Um, you know, we were at fights all the time. So it put him in a different um atmosphere. You know, it was it was it was good for him. So he was okay with it. But the whole crazy thing was he thought I should be the only female fighter out there. First of all, I need opponents and um <laughs> you know, you can't you know, you can't just be negative on, on everybody and, and that's the way he wanted me to be. And, and of course I wasn't trying to be friends with any of my opponents, but he didn't want me to say anything positive about any other fighter, even dear to Gogarty, who is one of the best, uh, nicest people that I've ever met, whether we, you know, boxer has nothing to do with it, just a good person. Um, he didn't even want me to, to say nice things about her. And there's really nothing you can find to say bad about her. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. All right. So you're in college, you're excelling in sports, you're doing well publicly, but internally you were fighting to keep a secret, which was a very important part of your life. But at that time, I guess people probably weren't as accepting. So let's talk about the struggle and the challenge you faced and what you were actually hiding from the public. As yeah, far well, as you know, the the whole thing is, um, you know, my my once I actually went to college, I was a little more open and free. Um, my struggle was more uh, at home when I was in high school, and when you feel like, you know, you just can't really fit in anywhere. Even though I I had um I had boyfriends and I had um I you know I. I had boyfriends, I had relationships, but there was always something that was, you know, I was leaning, always leaning toward I'm attracted to women. Um, so it was hard. It's a small town, southern West Virginia, in the 80s. Um, yes, people are more accepting now, but even in that same town, if I wasn't, you know, Chrissy the fighter that had done some pretty cool stuff, I'm sure I still wouldn't feel comfortable walking down the street with my wife, but because I am Christy, that has been, you know, got some, some pretty good breaks in life. Um, this is who I am and I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. And if anybody else, you know, if someone else has a problem, then that I'm sorry, but that's their problem. It's not mine. Okay. All right. Now sticking to that. So what was the most embarrassing thing you had to do or what was the most embarrassing situation you faced to hide your true feelings? Oh, um, geez, I don't even know, Chris. Um, 
you know, in any time that you're not true to yourself, it's not that it's embarrassing. It's probably not the word. It's just, you know, it, it just eats at you. It, it's hard. It, it just um, makes you feel so, um, uh, I, don't, I don't know the word that really um, describes it, but you just feel so, like, not true. I mean, that's not even good enough. It's something that, you know, you want to be true to who you are. And, and like, you're just not good enough. Like, oh, who I am is really not good enough. And, and that's what, that was what was hard for me and, and hurtful was mm-hmm. that I just wasn't good enough. Okay. All right. So, and, and you mentioned when you got to college, you were a little freer. But at what point in your life did you just say, you know what, enough is enough, and finally just let people know how you truly, truly felt? Yeah, you know, throughout um, my boxing career, I was, you know, I wanted to be true, but I had to be guarded. And then um, finally at the end, my career was over, and and I just, you know, I'm 42, I think I was 42 or something, and I just, I played this game long enough. You know, I'm going to be happy. I've done all these things that I've done for 20-plus years to make everybody else happy. The next 20, you know, I, I'm, I get to be happy. And that's, okay. that's what okay. I – actually, I hope I get to last a little more than 20, but, you know, for sure 20. <laughs> All right. I got you. All right. So, Christy, knowing what you know now, what would you go back and tell your younger self about your true feelings and love? Well, it, be true to who you are. But um, – be true to who you are, but I still don't think that the struggle or the fight or the road would have been any easier. It may have, it may be now if I'm, you know, if I'm 22 now today and moving forward, it may be easier. But um, you know, at 52, it it yeah it would not be easier. Okay, okay, I got you. All right, well let's get back to boxing. So. How did you get into boxing, and at what point did you know you could be something special? <laughs> um, I, I really just started boxing. I did a tough man contest because I just wanted to do it on a dare. You know, it was not even a dare, but it was kind of like like a dare to myself or a challenge to myself. You know, I want to do this. Everybody, you know, everybody's telling me that I can't. Well, that's like the worst thing you can ever tell me is I can't do something. Because as soon as you tell me I can't, sit back and just watch because I'm going to show you I'm going to do it. Um, so telling me I can't, not, not, not a good way to handle me. Um, but but <laughs> I right. decided to do this tough man contest in southern West Virginia. It was a big deal. You know, we don't have a lot of sports and, or a lot of big things happening. So um, the tough man contest would sell out every year. And I kept telling Jerry Thomas, I'm like, Jerry, put women on, put women on. And finally, after, I mean, five or six years, I think, maybe, I think it was maybe like the sixth year that he had had it, he had a women's division. And um, that's how it started. I just, I did the tough man contest and um, was was fortunate enough to win because it was tough women, of course, and and they were just like barroom brawler type women. I was an Mm -hmm. athlete, so I was in in better shape. And um, I was a little bit of a boxing fan. My dad had watched boxing, so I watched with him. So even though I wasn't throwing straight punches, I'm sure, I 
in my mind at least knew I was supposed to throw straight punches. So I'm pretty certain my, you know, my punches were a little bit better. Not great, but a little better than everybody else's. And, again, okay. my conditioning because I was an athlete. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So in your pro career, so you go 49-7-3 with 32 KOs. Now, first of all, Mike Tyson is coming back. How can there possibly be a Mike Tyson fight without Christy Martin on the undercard? And, and you know, does that, that... that was <laughs> – that was the whole thing, Chris. As soon as I heard about it, I called Kiki, Mike's wife, and I'm like, Kiki, you know, I, I have to open the show. And um, she was all on board. And, and at the time, it was going to be like an exhibition, not quite. I mean, it's still an exhibition, but it seems like it's, it's taken on a little more serious tone than, than the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So the commission's now involved and everything. I actually had a stroke in June of 2011, and um, – so I can't pass a brain test. Lisa, okay. my wife, was going berserk because I'm telling everybody, look, I'm going to open the show for Mike Tyson. And Kiki's <laughs> on board and Mike's on board. Everybody's on board with it. But then as soon as, you know, I came clean to Kiki and told her I had a, had a stroke, and she's like, no, 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 Christy, no, we're not letting you get hit in the head. Um, but I am going to be involved. I, I'm going to okay. be um I'm going to be, and, and no one knows this, so this is the first time um, anyone's heard about it. I'm going to be a virtual judge uh, for for Tyson and Roy Jones. I'm really excited about it. It'll be, you know, it's pretty cool. There's only going to be, there's going to be three virtual virtual judges. And, um, yeah, so it's cool. At least I'll have some some little part in, um, in, in the fight. That's awesome. That is awesome. Because I, I, I was... Ever since I heard, you know, they made the announcement, I'm like, God, I, I wonder what Christy Martin's going to do. Is she going to fight yeah. on this card? So that that is great news. And then I was going to ask you, you know, if you were fighting in an exhibition or able to come back on this card, who would you want to fight? For me, I would want to see you fight Mia St. John, <laughs> which, right. which, you know, you guys, it would be perfect for the trilogy. You guys are one and one. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. You know what? That's when I knew I, I, I had the stroke before I fought Mia the second time. And uh, when I lost to Mia, I, I was like, oh, man, did I screw up because, you know, the stroke took a bigger toll on my body. And, and that was, like, within eight months, I think, after having the stroke. So mm-hmm. it was too close. Um, I mean, now I, I feel like physically I probably could be in better shape than I was then. But, um, yeah, the, the stroke took a lot more than, than I want to admit, I guess. And losing to Mia just told me um, my career is over. It broke my heart. It breaks my heart today right now thinking about it. But, um, I mean, it breaks my heart. My career is over, but it breaks my heart that I lost to Mia. So um, I don't know which is worse. But I yeah, got I don't know. I had the stroke. I still would be fighting. I would still be fighting. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, and Christy, honestly, I'm, I'm very familiar with your story, but until I saw the 48 hours, I didn't know you had the stroke. So what do you remember about that? And who was there to support you? And what was that recovery like? And can you compare it to training for a championship fight or any kind of comeback? Yeah. The, the stroke, um, actually, I had the fight six months after being shot and stabbed. I had the fight with Dakota Stone on the undercard of Chavez Jr., broke my hand in, like, the third round 
Um, they stopped the fight with 50 seconds to go. I'm ahead on all the cards. I have dropped Dakota. You know, I'm going – I am, like, smooth sailing to my 50th win. Um, but me, being hard-headed like I am, I threw a right hand, knowing my right hand was broken. I threw a right hand. She was so open. It just, it just, it just happened. I just threw it. And uh, when I threw it, I guess I grimaced. I turned a little bit, and the, the referee actually took me to the ringside position. The ringside position stopped the fight, and he told me right there, he said, Christy, remember when you spoke at that ringside position conference in, um, in Orlando a few years ago? And I'm, like, looking at him, like, yeah. He says, and you said, we ringside physicians have to protect, protect fighters from themselves. And I said, but I wasn't talking about me <laughs> right after that. Um, oh, man. I, I mean, I thought, how can you use my own word? I'm 50 seconds from my 50th win. I've been shot and stabbed. Do you really think this broken hand is going to hurt me? So, anyway, they take me to the doctor to fix my hand. I go to surgery, and I had to stroke during, during surgery. Um, I oh, woke up. Wow. Yeah, when I woke up, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. My, my vision is still screwy. Um, but God is good, you know. It took me a little bit, about 10 days. And um, I was up walking out and, um, you know, just back back to where, back to the gym, you know, slowly and sh- but surely I got back to the boxing gym. And um, then I, as I got ready to fight Mia, which I really didn't get ready, but I didn't think I needed to. Um, but that's, that's what happened. I had the stroke during surgery. Um, yeah. Disappointed. That's tough. That's tough. So, well, since you're a virtual judge, I guess you can't tell me who you'd be picking in that Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight. Right. If you're judging, you definitely cannot have a a favorite. (laughs) You know, that's what I had to – I actually spoke with Mauricio Suleiman and um, Jimmy Birchfield today and, and, um, you know, reassured both of them that, uh, I have no favorite, and I, I will do a very good job. I understand the, um, you know, who, who knows what Tyson or, or Roy is going to do after this. So uh, I have to be very fair, and I will be. Exactly, exactly. And and I think everybody, you know, trusts you with that. So I don't think there will be any doubt about that. So Yeah, yeah. as I right. told them, I don't want to be the one everybody's talking about on Monday. You know, what the hell was she watching? <laughs> I, I wanted to be talking about the fight, not about my day. Good stuff. That's good stuff. All right. Well, Christy, your boxing resume, it speaks for itself. So what fight or fights are most memorable for you? Of my fight? Or yes, of, fights of your fights. Know. No, of your fights, of your fights. Oh. Which ones stick out of your fights? Because, you know, everyone's like the, the um, what's her name, Garrity Girl. You know, everybody talks about that one because that one was the one that led to the Sports Illustrated cover. Right. So yeah, what I, fights I, stick course. out for you? Yeah, of course, um, the Gogarty fight. And another fight that um, that never gets talked about, but it was it was really cool. I fought under Mike Tyson in Philly. And um, that, that was cool to get that fight in Philly, and it was on a tight. It was on Tyson Buster Mathis Jr. Um, my fight wasn't great, but the atmosphere around that fight was 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 nice to be there. I was, that was exciting. Um, fighting in the Garden? Are you kidding me? I mean, I, um, I saw Kathy Collins, a New Yorker, in the Garden, 
so that there was a lot of pressure and, and um, tension, I think, from, uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, fighting her in her hometown, and her hometown happens to be, you know, fighting in Madison Square Garden. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there a lot of my fights are very uh, memorable, including the one, of course, with my wife. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and fighting Layla. I mean, fighting fighting Layla was great. Um, it was it was it was great. I mean, that that really was a different level for women's boxing. Um, Layla had other pay per view fights that that never did close to the numbers that we did. So I don't think she could do it by herself, and I certainly couldn't do it by myself. But the two of us together, we we um, we at least brought some interest I think to women's boxing I got caught early and and um definitely didn't have the fight that I had hoped to have against her but it, it was a great experience okay that's awesome now now Christy how did you connect with Don King and become one of his famous fighters Don King you know I was fortunate to have been in the right place at the right time uh Jesse Robinson who was training fighters for King at the time saw me training and sparring in Daytona Beach and um, just was, like, convinced that let me get you to King, let me get you to King. And it took some time, but he was able to get me in front of King and, you know, signed and the rest is history. Uh, Actually, uh, we'll be promoting a fight with him December 18th or 19th. We're working on the date in Daytona Beach this year. Oh, wow. So it'll, it'll be yeah, a uh, little reunion with Don King. So I mean, I'm excited about that and, and looking forward to it. Okay. That, that is really good information. Wow. That's exciting. You're getting all kinds of breaking news, Chris. Yes, I am. I'm excited I'm, about this. I mean, I've told, I've told very, very few people about the good stuff with King and no one about the, the, um, the, the uh, being the judge. Okay. Okay. All right. So, all right, I want to go back to April 1996. So you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated. At the time, you were 28-1-2. Now, so I, I had to ask this. Was that, for you, the peak of your career as far as it, how does it get any better than this? I mean, once you look back on it, was that like the highest of highs? Being on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I think, still hasn't sunk in. Um, I, I thought, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I, I uh, Sports Illustrated actually sent me a box of maybe two dozen or something to my house. But I, I remember the day that it came out to be on the newsstand, there was a little store right up from my house. And, and I'm like, you know, I had to go buy it. I want to go buy it off the, off the newsstand. And um, that's, that's what I did when I, when I, got to the counter and, you know, I laid it down or like lay it down hard. So the guy's going to look at me, you know, look at me. Like, why did you lay it down so hard? Cause, but I wanted him to notice that was me on the cover. Of course he didn't. So I had to tell him, I'm like, dude, that's me. Why don't you pay attention? <laughs> um, but you know, it was pretty cool. And then I remember I was in, um, I was in Argentina and, and um, saw the sports illustrated cover in Argentina. So, you know, yeah. Even today, people ask me, are you tired of seeing this? And I, I tell them all, are you crazy? I mean, that, that's such a great honor to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And not huge. just the first woman, but the only woman fighter. Yes, 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 yes. So, and I, you know, I, I introduced you as the first of everything. 
So you, you went on, you won 21 more fights, including becoming the first female WBC champ. So what was that like? And I mean, you, you carry that badge today. And, you know, how does that just, just drive you still? There's, there's no question that um, Jose Suleiman was so supportive of, of me early in my career. And um, to, you know, award me the WBC title belt before they were even giving, you know, women were fighting for the opportunity to have to be the champion of the WBC. So it, it was great support. And the WBC now today, you know, they're the leader of women's boxing and uh, naming champions and, and making opportunities for women to fight cha- for the championship. Um, for sure. I mean, I'm going to always bleed uh, green and gold, you know, this is the way it's always going to be. Um, the, Mauricio and uh, the, the rest of the BC family have all been good to me. They were good to me when, um, after the incident with Jim, uh, after finding out I had a stroke, uh, they, they, their support has been never ending. Even now with Christie's champs, um, they support the amateur tournament. You know that Mark Hornsby works with me with the Powell program down in Harnett County. Um, yes, we do that every year. The WBC's part sponsor, along with title. Um, That's huge. Uh, you, you know, it, it's just family. Okay. All right. All right, so you brought this up before, November 17, 2001, Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino. You fight a lady by the name of Lisa Holwine. So what's the significance of that fight, and does it have even more meaning for you today? And for those who don't know, Lisa is your wife. (laughs) Right, and and I'm going to tell you what, that's the only fight, and she's laying right here beside me, that's the only fight I have ever won since then. I mean, with her, um, she she wins them all. You know, the, the very truth is that there there are not too many. Um, you know, we don't have any major. I wouldn't say fights. A few disagreements here and there, but um, but I really don't win any of them. Uh, anyway, we, but but it was great. You know, God is good, and for whatever reason, we crossed paths. That was my last fight with Don King. So that's the last opportunity that I would have had to fight her probably because, you know, she, that was the last payday to fight me um, other than, of course, with Layla and Mia. But, um, yeah, that was, you know, the last chance, and uh, and we made it work. And she came and sparred with me a little bit uh, a couple different times, came to support me when I fought um, my food, Valerie, my, fi- my food in Houston, Um so it's it's been good. It's been great and and uh, true true godsend. That's awesome. That is awesome. And I know Lisa is competitive. She's feisty. So so similar to other couples. I know you guys. You know you have to make some decisions, have some heated discussions about things. So when you guys do compromise, you said you don't win. But do you ever remind her of what happened in the ring, or did she say let's run it back? <laughs> no, and the funny thing is, um, it's just, you would be surprised at how many people have actually asked, would we spar? Like like this 48 hours thing, um, mm-hmm. would we spar each other? And then, I, you know, I have a Netflix documentary coming out, would we spar? I'm like, no, no, 
We will not spar each other. I mean, we, I might spar somebody else, but no, I'm not sparring Lisa. First of all, she is too damn hard. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I got by with it once. Why, am I, why would I get go in there again? Um, but, yeah. No, it, we really – we're pretty good as, as uh, competitive as we both are. Uh, we really – I guess we know, each like, each other's strengths. And and uh, Lisa gives me great support that I've – and not just support, but, like, encouragement. And I've really okay. never had that before. Um, so it's, it's – she believes in me a lot more than I believe in me, and I, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate that she – you know, she encouragement, the encouragement that she gives me to keep on, okay. to keep on keeping on. All right. And I definitely have to compliment her because I was at the, the last show in uh, Rock Hill and she, she kept things running smoothly. So she does a great job of complimenting you, you know, when, when you weren't there, when you weren't at the show, but it, it, it didn't miss a beat. She stepped in for you. So she's always uh, your, your wingman. I'll just leave it at that. That's your that's your wing, man. So that and that's you know it's it's just fun to see. It's fun to see. Right. We're 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 a good team. We're a good team. We we both um we're we're, good, we're a great team actually. And uh, again, like you said, you know, it's play off of each other's strengths. And um, where, where I might be lacking a little bit, she she always seems to uh to lift me up a little. Awesome. That is awesome. All right. So your last pro win, number 49, it's against Dakota Stone in June of 2009. And now, Krista, here you are, perceived as fit super athlete, you know, the embodiment of female strength at the time. Yet so much in your life was not what the public was seeing. So do you, do you mind recalling what was happening in your life with the abusive relationship you were in at the time? I um that particular fight with Dakota Stone we we fought up in upstate New York and uh, I remember we had, the Boxing Hall of Fame sponsored the fight so I went to Canastota maybe 10 days before the fight and and um the turmoil there was was terrible you know I argued with Jim we we fought like cats and dogs almost daily uh leading up to the fight um he tells me, and I don't even know if this is true or not, but at one point they were going to actually throw us out of the hotel because um, we were fighting so so badly and, and, and so loud. I'm not sure I really believe it, but it could be true. Um, but I made it through the fight, and then, um, you know, finally a year later, uh, decided I'm, le- I'm going to leave, and I'm done. I've, I, you know, I'm done with drugs and I'm done with bullshit and I just, I just want to be, I just want to be me. I want to be free. And, and, um, as he had told me for 20 years, if ever I decided to leave him, he would kill me. Um, that's what he thought he did. You know, I, I told him I was leaving and, um, he said, I'll kill you. And I told him, you do what you have to do, Jim. And then when I came back, he, um, he stabbed me repeatedly shot me, uh, left me for dead. He really, he thought I was dead. He was confident enough that I was dead that he went and got in the shower to get cleaned up. Um, but God is good. And I, I um, woke up and was able to get myself out of the house and into the middle of the street and recall my, my angel 
picked me up and took me to the hospital. So um, from from getting to the hospital, uh, you know, say basically saved me. I, my my lung was punctured and I'm bleeding everywhere and I don't know, you know, just God has a plan for me. I keep yeah. I keep sometimes asking what's the plan, but I, I I really think it is just a to stay out there talking about domestic violence, sharing my story so that people can understand that domestic violence can happen to anyone in in any situation, and just to be more aware of people around them. Okay. All right. And, and Christy, what what do you remember? Like you said, you woke up and you you dragged yourself into the middle of the street. Do you remember any of the pain? Were you numb? Were you just working on adrenaline? I'm pretty sure that it was just like, I, you know, like they said my body was in, I was in shock. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just, I know that before the whole attack started, that I had come to terms with, I had even told a friend, I'm like, I don't care if I live or die. I promise you, I'm good with it. If I die, I'm good with it. Um, but midway through the attack, I mean, he was, I can, just like it was right now, he's beating my head, beating my head against the dresser. And, and um, I told him, you can't kill me. And I meant it. And it was just, it just changed, changed that minute. I'm going to live. And I think, I'm going to live to make a difference in somebody's, in, in hopefully many, many people's lives. Okay. That's awesome. And then, I, you know, watching the 48 hours, the special, and when you were on the stand and, you know, what was coming out of your mouth, it's just the Christy Martin that I've met, I was in shock. I was like, you know, first of all, you're in, you're in a courtroom, but, and I can't imagine the pain that you had to go through, what you were feeling. So, you know, you kind of move away from that. All right, that's Christy Martin. You know, she's fired up. But I just, you know, um, the reason I'm I'm bringing this up, I I just want listeners to know, you know, I I see you. I, I know you're the fighter. They show the pictures of you bleeding and wearing the pink. But you're like this delicate, you know, nice lady. (laughs) <laughs> and then to, to hear all the stuff that you had to go through, and it just it just breaks my heart. So, and and that's where I'm going. So, you know, I'll, you'll forever be a friend of mine. I'll do anything for you if, if I can, and, and you know, especially knowing about your everything that you've been through. So, how has this made you stronger today? And you know, your outlook on life. How has it changed everything for you? Um. It's made me stronger because I feel like, you know what, I have to be strong. I have to be strong for other people. You know, it's not about me. It's about not anything about me. It's about I have to be strong because I, I need to help. I need to help somebody else not go through what I had to go through. Um, I, I think it. My outlook on life has changed because, um, you know, you realize how life can end in a split second, you know, and so many people, so many times, you know, you're frustrated, you're depressed, your stuff's just not going your way. I wish, you know, I don't even care if I live anymore. But when you're laying there, your lung is gurgling, and, and you know you're dying, trust mm-hmm. me, it's a different thought. You know, it's, 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 it's a little bit harder to say, 
Yeah, I'm ready to go. Uh, no, no, no. I have plans. I have things I need to do. I can't just give up right here. Nice. Nice. And you never want to give up, so you're definitely a fighter. All right. So let's move forward. And obviously you've reinvented yourself with Christy Martin Promotions, and you've been named the North Carolina Promoter of the Year three consecutive times. Talk about you as a promoter, and then describe your shows and what you look for in fights and fighters. Well, as a promoter, you know, I, I think that I want to see I want to see good fights. You know, first of all, put my name to it. So people are paying their hard-earned money to come to watch the fights. I want them to see fights. I don't want them, you know, to see one-hitter quitters. I don't want them to see fighters that are going to lay down on the first round. You know, if I do 10 fights, I don't want 10 rounds, you know, total. I, I want right. people to have to fight. And um, that's what we do. Each, You know, you've, you've been to the shows. Every mm-hmm. fight, I, sometimes there will be a fight on paper that I think is going to be, you know, a great fight. It's going to go the distance. And somebody gets knocked out in the first round. Well, But it was a legitimate, real knockout. That's different than you have some guy that's never been in a gym before, takes a fight, and then basically quits in the first round. I don't do that. I won't do that. Um, we do all quality fights, and, and you've seen that, you know, from um, the last show, you know, Alberto Palmetta, top mm-hmm. 10 WBA you know, WBA, top 10 in the world. Um, and this this is a good example of we do real fights. Uh, Lucas Leon, who's, you know, the A-side favorite fighter, goes in against uh, Fernando Diaz and gets beat. Yes. Um, fight of the night. The fight of the night. Um you know, another good example, I think, as a female fighter, um, Tika Hemingway comes in making her pro debut against Miranda Barber. Most most fighters, male or female, making their pro debut, especially in these days, they, they, they pick somebody they're going to knock out in one round. Mm-hmm. No, we matched her, and her team was good with it. So I, I appreciated that. Against another competitive fighter. Um that didn't have that big amateur background but had the MMA experience. So it was going to be a tough challenge. And that's what throughout the cards we we try to do. Okay. Definitely live up to that. You guys definitely live up to that. So, because, you know, you had even with the Blake Mansfield fight, that was an upset. So, and, and the, yeah. all the fights were competitive. They were, you know, there were, there were one or two with, they had opportunity. They, like you said, going into all the fights, you look at them like, "Oh man, this is going to be great." This is, if not fifty-fifty, pretty close. So good right. job, what you guys put together. Yeah, and you know, a good example. Well, two examples on the on the last show in Rock Hill, uh, Shenard Bunch was fighting a kid. Guido was not a kid. He was, you know, an older guy, but he's a tough competitor that usually goes rounds. Um, Bunch is a tough kid. He got him out in the first round, and I and I got on I got on the other side a little bit. Guido's people. I said, look, you you brought me somebody that that didn't come to fight, and and if you want to continue to work with me, don't ever send me something like this again. 
and they they apologize, apologize all over themselves. We're, we're, we're sorry, Christy, but that's what people do, and that's how people respect us. They know they're not going to get a lay down when they come to us. Kyle Harrell, um, you know, he was fighting another kid from Charlotte, uh, Tavon Young. I really thought Young was going to the first round at the first of the first round anyway. It looked like a really competitive, tough fight for Kyle, and then Young decided that the canvas was softer than and standing up, so. <laughs> I got you. you know. I got you. All right. So, again, you you have the connection to Don King as a promoter. Is there anything that you, you look back and you say, you know what, Don used to do this, I could take this? I, I, I think that uh, Don King was the best promoter uh, at the time. And and I know with, with all the social media stuff, people now say that, that King would never be as successful. And you know what? They might be right because Don King is that guy that needs to be with the people. He needs to be where people can, can touch him and feel, you know, feel his energy. Um, so he may not have been as successful with, with social media, but he may have been. He's Don King. He figures out a way to always make things work. Um, so, And that's part of it. That's what I would take from him. The biggest thing is, is look, how would King make it work? And, and figure it out and, and just go down that same path. I'm, I'm way excited, and, I, and I'm, pretty, I'm pretty certain that this will happen um, December 18th or 19th uh, in Daytona. I, I'm really, really excited. I, I don't know with, um, you know, COVID, how many people will have show up. I don't even know. Actually, with King on the conversation today, I'm not even sure he's going to come because of his age. He's like 86 years old now, but yes, still sharp yes. attack and um, – you know, he said, "Let's. Why don't you come down? Let's do some media stuff uh, from the office before the fight, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to do that. I, I think it'll be a, a, a positive story to, to get back with King, and um, it'll be a lot of fun to to reminisce." That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, now you bring up COVID. So COVID nineteen, how has it affected you, and personally, and then your promotional company? Well, I, I think promotional company-wise, we probably should have waited, just waited the year out. But but I'm a fighter, and I just want to, I just want, I just want to do fights. And I I know what it feels like to be a fighter, to train day in and day out, and not get the opportunity to go out there and fight. So if we can have fights and and give these young guys the opportunity to go do what they do, I, I want to make that happen for them. Um, for me personally, you know, I um, unfortunately was was um, tested positive for COVID a few few weeks ago and uh, had to had to miss my own fight, which was was hurt, hurtful and hard to do. Um, but I'm I'm on the men I'm well and you know I, I'm well and ready to go. I'm clearly I'm planning December uh, you know 18th weekend with King and uh, then we're gonna do. It looks as though we're going to do January 16th over in Myrtle Beach, South okay. Carolina. Um, nice. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, I keep I keep saying every week, hopefully this is going to be the week that, that COVID um, slows down. We find a, I don't know, a vaccination or whatever we need to get it to go in reverse. Um, hopefully it happens soon. Yeah, and I, I, everyone supports you on that one, Gosh, it is changing sure. everything. We're all in the same boat. Yes, yes. All right. And then 
I have to ask this. So what advice do you have for young women and men that look up to you and want a career similar to yours in the sport of boxing? You know, I I, I feel like I had a great career, male or female. Um, fought on the biggest cards of, of my era and, and for the greatest promoter of my time. Uh, I, I would just say to them, stay focused, work hard. And and it, my, my thing was, like, during my career, you know, I tried to always be up 30 minutes earlier than everybody else thinking, I'm going to be out here doing my run and they're still asleep. So it's just kind of that same mentality that I, I would want these fighters that I'm working with now to have, that I'm, I'm going to always work a little harder. You know, I'm going to do an extra round. I'm going to get up a little bit earlier, and I'm going to do this on my own so that when, as we talked about earlier, when I make it, then I can say I made it. I don't have to say I made it because so-and-so opened every door for me. It doesn't hurt for somebody to open the door and to make it a little easier, but you still have to put the work in. You can't count on someone else opening that door for you. Count on the work you're going to put in, and then the doors will open. Okay, nice. That's nice. All right, one more time, a shameless plug. So brag about your promotional company and brag about your Christie's Champs, the foundation. So where can people find them on social media and how can they get in touch and get involved? For sure. Um, the the ChristieMartinPromotions.com, and through that they can link of course, they're going to see all the fight information, upcoming fights, whatever we have going on. We're actually going to do a black tie affair down in Vero Beach um, the first quarter of the of next year, if COVID allows. Uh, so we're way excited about that. But that's going to tie in with Christie's Champs. All the all the proceeds to that will go to Christie's Champs. Um, we're, uh, like I said, it's only black. It's going to be black tie. Only about 300 people are going to be able to attend probably will have five five or six very, very competitive fights. That's going to be a great night. I'm really excited about that. Um, nice. Chrissy's Champs also, Facebook page, um, donations, anybody that wants to get involved with Chrissy's Champs, wants to, to volunteer. Uh, we need people uh, answering the crisis line. We need people just to be ready if, if you know, um, someone calls and they need a way out. Maybe it's in a different city. It's somewhere we can't personally do it. We need people to help all over. Okay. Awesome. That is awesome. All right. All right, Christy, before you go, we have to play a speed round. I'm going to throw, throw some things out at you, and you have to say the first thing that comes to mind. All right? <laughs> okay. First thing that comes to mind. All right. First one, Don King. Greatest promoter. All right. Mike Tyson. Destructive. Nice. All right. Christy Martin's favorite fighter of all times. Oh, wow. Of all time. Hank Armstrong. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. And then women's boxing today. How do you see it? It needs a personality. It needs a fighter with some good, good, strong skills 
and a personality that the fans can get behind. Um, it needs someone that's going to knock people out. I'm hoping that Tika, Tika Hemingway, Mike, can, can step in and, and, and light a little fire and get people talking about women's boxing here in the United States. Uh, I think Katie Taylor's doing a great job in Ireland, uh, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then the, the last one. You get to pick one fighter to be the cornerstone of your promotional company. And here are the names. You just have to pick one. And then tell us a little bit why. Here we okay. go. Katie Taylor, Clarissa Shields, Michaela Meyer, Shakur Stevenson, or Devin Haney? Uh, I would probably say Shakur Stevenson because he has, like, that $20 million smile. <laughs> love it. And, I love and you it. know what? It's marketability, baby. It's selling. It's selling tickets. It, that's the bottom line. It's it, and he's a he's a great fighter too, and he's going to be a great fighter. Um, but it's about marketability. Okay. All right. Love it. All right. And then, Chris, Christy, final message to listeners. You know, your story. What is it that you want to tell, and how do you want people to see you? I I don't want people to um to ever see me as a victim. I want people to always see me as a survivor and to always see me as someone that's going to bring strength to others. Um I'm not sure as a fighter, you know, a fighter. And that doesn't always mean in the ring. That means outside of the ring. Excellent. That's excellent. Well, Christy Martin, it's truly an honor. I wish you continued success, and I look forward to your upcoming events. So thank you once again for coming on the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. I will always appreciate you. Always have. I certainly appreciate it, and uh, we'll be in touch soon.